thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, welcome to Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out this morning. Doing such an incredible job. And I tell you what, I'm not charismatic, but that right there. JP, I was hoping you'd start a train around church, man. I'd have followed you the whole time through there. But man, what a man, what a joy. <laughs> what a joy it is to just sing and to speak and to preach and to, to say the name of Jesus today. And that's why we gather together to make much of his name, to make much of Jesus together. And we are so grateful that you are here. If you're visiting today, our honor to have you. And thank you so much for being part of Connect Church today. As we get started off, I want to point you to something so important among our team here at Connect Church. Take a look at, a sc- at the screen. Uh, this is an app called the Church Center app. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to be preaching through and talking about community. And if you want to know uh, where all the information about community and the life of Connect Church is, man, you got you got to download this app. And so feel free right now if you want, if you don't have it, to, to take your phones, to take a, a picture, to, to kind of scan that in. Uh, and you're, some of you are like, I don't need another app. I've got so many apps, right? you got a Facebook app, a Pinterest app. If you're a hunter, you got an app that helps you kill Bambi, right? we got apps for everything. I was looking online, and I, I looked up the weirdest, most downloaded apps in all the app stores. You know what the number one weirdest app was, according to this article? The Cuddler app. You know what that means? There's an app out there where you can find people in your own community just to go out and hug and cuddle. Guys, that's weird. You don't need that app. Don't put that app on your phone. But you need this app, okay? You need this church center app because that is the hub of our community. And I encourage everybody, maybe if you're visiting today, I'll download this app. But maybe you've been to Connect Church maybe more than once and you're going to hang around for a while. If you're a member, man, we would love for you to download this app. It tells you everything about groups, everything about upcoming events. You can check your kids in uh, as you bring into church. It's just a, a great way to connect to community here at Connect Church. So make sure you have it on your phone. Download this app. Now today we're in between two sermon series. Last week we closed the book on Nehemiah. And man, I loved our study in Nehemiah. Next week we're going to announce our new book that we're going to be going through together as a church family, new sermon series. And so I hope you'll be here for that. But today we kick off a study That's just two Sundays long. In two verses of Scripture, out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. But just two verses, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Now as we go there, let me first give you kind of the backdrop to this letter to the Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, although unnamed, we know walk closely with the disciples. And in fact, his teaching is anchored in the teaching of the apostles, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. And we know this, no matter who's holding the pen, it is the Holy Spirit of God who has inspired and who's written this letter that we call the Hebrews. Now, as we come to grips with this letter, we've got to understand what this letter was all about. The letter of Hebrews targeted a group of Christians who were once Jewish by their birth and by their faith. And because of faith in Jesus, they have been converted, right? They've come over to Christianity. They've given their heart and their life to Jesus. They are now believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And because of it, you ready? They're being persecuted for their faith. Because of it, Some are even being imprisoned because they love 
Jesus. So the author of Hebrews is encouraging these believers not to abandon each other. Don't abandon meeting together. Don't abandon one another. And most of all, don't abandon Jesus when things get hard. It was a good message then, and it's still a good message today, isn't it? Well, that's what the author of Hebrews was trying to do. So from the text today, these two verses in Hebrews, my message is entitled simply this, one anothering, one another. You're like, so we're just going to make up words on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. We're going to talk today about one anothering, one another. And so let me flesh this out a little bit. To the text in Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to turn there. Watch this. I love these two verses. As my, man, my clicker. Hey, I got a guy on my team who wants to suck up to the boss and get me a battery. Hey, Zach, I need a battery. Somebody, can somebody save me? Hey, man, way to show up. Look at Zach. Man. Hey, those are the factory ones. They're TCLs, which stands for Tender, Care, and Love. It should switch that around. But anyway, he's going to take care of this. So trust me as I read from you from the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, and then we'll put it on the screen as soon as he brings back the magical remote. And here's what the author of Hebrews writes. And let us consider how to stir up one another. Now, now listen, that phrasing we're to come back to. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, watch this, one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting the meeting together. And that's where we're going to camp out today. Well, what is this meeting together and what is its importance to the believer? Now, what does it look like biblically Per God's design, for believers to, I got nothing, bro. This is devastating. Oh, yes. Man, you are super here. What does it look like biblically for believers to meet together? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back 30 years from this letter to the Hebrews being written and distributed among them. We're going to go back 30 years. In fact, Jerusalem is the city, and we're showing up for a birth. What is the birth of? The birth is of the church as the Holy Spirit comes. The church is now alive and well. And in Acts chapter 2, you and I get a glimpse. And since we get to peel back the curtains and see how this early church, were, how they were meeting together. And here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46. Every day, they, meaning believers, continued, there's a phrase again, meet together. Where? In the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, the Bible says. So we find there are two places in the early church where they assembled, where they would meet together. There were the temple courts, and they also met in their homes. You see, the temple courts had large enough space for a big number of many believers to come together and to hear the preaching of the gospel. By this time, after Peter's invitation, after the moving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, there are over 3,000 believers in Jesus Christ. And you know what? They had a desire to meet together. So they needed a place big enough. And the temple courts, man, they were just plenty big enough for them to come together in this large group and to hear the gospel. But they not only met in large groups on temple courts, but they also met in their homes. The homes which became ground zero for Christians, fellowshipping together, disciple-making, 
and doing life together. If you would, building community. I want to remind you something about the church. God is not interested in building an audience. God's in it to build community. A community of believers. Today, we meet together not as an audience, but as family, as community per God's design. But to build community, hear me, we got to meet together. We must meet together, and we must get to one anothering. Now, see, in our two verses, there's that phrase in there two times, one another. Now, in the English language, it's two words, but in the Greek language, it's only one. It's alelon. And I'm going to tell you something. In the New Testament, you're going to read a hundred times this command to, to one another. We're also going to find that there's 50, 50 plus specific commands for you and I to get about one anothering. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a, just a short list of that. But I also want to say this, that four of those commands, yes, they are, to kiss one another in Scripture. I'm just going to tell you, they are there. And uh, just my apologies now to David Crowder and others, but neither of those kisses sloppy, wet, or unforeseen, right? They're just to kiss one another. By the way, I try this with my wife all the time. Doesn't work. So let me give you a list that does work. To catch a few of these one another's, these commands from Jesus and Peter and John and Paul and James. In 1 John 4, 11, we're told to love one another. Romans 15, 7, to welcome one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, to care for one another. In 1 Peter 4, 10, to serve one another. Ephesians 5, 29, that is, or 21, is to submit to one another. Romans 12, 10, is to be devoted to one another. Ephesians 4, 25, to speak true to one another. Romans 15, 5, to live in harmony with one another. In Mark 9, 10, to be at peace with one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, to comfort one another. Romans 15, 14, to instruct one another another. Colossians 3, 13, not only to bear with one another, but to forgive one another. And James 5, 16, to confess your sins with one another, to pray for one another. And 1 Peter 4, 9, to show hospitality to one another. And here in our text, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, to stir up and to encourage one another. I'll be honest, that list wears me out. And you know what's amazing? We didn't even exhaust it. We didn't come close to exhausting this command, this one anothering in Scripture. But hey, can I just make a, a real quick note? Can I tell you some one anothering that's not found in Scripture? That's not commanded of Christ? And, and that's this. I, I don't find the one, one anothering that says be rude to one another or to hurt one another or to criticize one another, to talk about one another, to slander up one another, to, to gossip on one another, to control one another, to shame one another, to disregard or disrespect one another, to exclude one another, hate one another, or any other type of one another. And yet it is all summed up in what Jesus said in John 13, 34, in this command, as I have loved you, so you must, watch this, love who? One anothering. One another. That is what one anothering looks like. You say, Anthony, you just made up that word. Okay, I did. And so here, let me kind of give you a definition of one anothering. It is the call and the duty of every believer, watch this, to meet together and to carry out the one another commands of Christ, to, to meet and to carry those out. And here's the truth, you ready? You and I cannot one another without one another. <laughs> it just 
doesn't have one another. It doesn't happen at a distance. It doesn't happen in isolation. It doesn't take place in seclusion or in separation. We must engage with one another, do life with one another. And hear me, we've got to meet together with one another. Now, I'm keenly aware that as I preach this morning, there are many of you, and team, I'm going to focus on this middle camera just for a moment. There are many of you who are meeting with us this morning online. You desire above all to meet together physically, but physically you can't do that. And I just want to say a quick word to you. Thank you for meeting with us even online today. Know this, that you are loved and you are missed and you are prayed for. And we too long for the day that we get to one another in person. And so, so know that you're loved and you're prayed for. And there are many, not only in our own community, but for whatever crazy reason, y'all are crazy out there, but in other states that they are physically unable to attend, and yet they, they watch and they attend with us. And we are so grateful for you. But let's introduce here God's design, this design for one another to happen. And it's really among the church in two places. You ready? It's in our large group gathering, what we're experiencing right now, if you will. This is our, our temple courts. It's our large group gathering on Sundays and then throughout the week in homes and in and in coffee shops and in rooms all across this community. We call those our connect groups. And they meet in all different types of places all throughout the week. But here's what we begin to see in places like Hebrews 10 is that meeting together is vital to our walk with Christ. As we continue, even as a church, to grow larger on Sunday mornings, it is vital, it is imperative that we also continue to grow smaller through our connect groups, our small groups. Meeting together is the God-designed platform for one anothering. For one anothering. That is why we say here at Connect Church, and I want you to hear me, this is our heart, and you're going to hear it said many times. Connect Church is not the only church. It's not the best church in our community. And we're one of his churches. If Connect Church doesn't do it for you, if it doesn't meet your needs spiritually that you're looking for for you and your family, we are not bought in necessarily to Connect Church only, but it is our commitment to you to help you do whatever we can to connect you with awesome and wonderful other churches in our community so that you can start building community and you can start one anothering. And so I'm going to tell you, our commitment is, if this isn't for you, come find one of our teams and say, listen, I, I, I need your help. Can you help me find a church within our community where we can build community and we can one another and we'll consider it a great joy because one anothering in the life of a church community meant incredible things happen there. By the way, let me just say this because we're talking about meeting together, by the way, preaching to the choir because you're here. Right, like you made it here, so we're preaching the choir today. But can I also say this? You're like, oh no, I got a vacation coming up. Or oh no, I have COVID-19, monkeypox, and the flu together. What do I do here, right? So let me remind you of something. When it comes to meeting together, Christian, you got some vacation days. And you got some sick days, all right? Use them. Don't you come here sick and get everybody sick, right? Don't you do that. You go on vacation with your family because you know what? I'm going on vacation with my family. I watch every time we're out of town. I love doing that. But hear me, here's what we gotta be careful of. Not just at Connect Church, but any church. We've gotta be careful of the unexcused absences. Those times where you just go, you know what? I've got better things to do. Or that bed seems 
really comfortable today. I'm the pastor of my church. I mean, there's some Sundays that alarm clock goes off around 5, and I'm just like, Lord, no. I just want to stay here, send somebody else to preach. We've got to be careful of those unexcused absences. Now, gathering together as a large group, and if you will, again, in our temple courts, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's really hard, but you know who it's hardest on sometimes, I believe? Mama. Our moms. I think if we were to put a kind of a class of people, man, mamas who bring their babies, or maybe just a single dad, or, or maybe grandparents have to bring kids to church, I mean, it's really hard on them. I found a post from a pastor's wife. I thought it was so good. Uh, it caught my attention with this board she's holding. She says, taking your babies to church isn't a burden, but worship. Uh, man, I got to read this post. And here's what she wrote. Every goldfish, cracker crumb you clean up off the floor following dismissals, worship. Every baby you rock to sleep during the sermon is worship. Every church bag you pack is worship. Every time you walk through the doors of the Father's house with your little loves, you're teaching them the importance of faithfulness. That's worship. This season of, of pudgy hands and that you get to hold at church with your children and, and cleaning up after them and sippy cups and diapers, all that fussiness, it's just that it's a season. Take them during the season because in the next, they'll be worshiping beside you. Even the hard parts, she writes, of just getting to church with your children in tow, Jesus fuses worship. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep teaching those babies how to worship. And she writes this, every trip to the nursery is worship. You know, meeting together, mom and dad and, and grandparents, meeting together can be hard, but it is, it's worthy It's worthy. It is worship through obedience to commands like that of Hebrews chapter 10 to the 100 different places in 94 verses where it says to love one another. It's obedience. And it's also worship. So real quick, hey, way to go, mom. Way to go, dad. Way to go, grandparents. Way to get your family to church. Yet some believers today have gotten into the habit of neglecting the meeting together because, watch this, they're just too busy. Maybe at times they're just too lazy. Maybe there's times where there's too many other priorities or just that we're full of too many excuses. But hear me, one anothering cannot happen without one another. It just can't happen. I want to talk to a group of people who who legitimately maybe have a good excuse for not one anothering in a church. And that's because you've been hurt. I know you have been. Unfortunately and sadly, I know at times the church can hurt people. I hate it. I just hate it. But I want to ch- share with you a truth that I, that I learned from someone who'd been hurt by the church. And listen to the statement they told me, and that was this that there's been nobody more hurt by the church than Jesus, and he still shows up. Why? Because you and I need community. We need each other. And so I got to thinking early on in the life of of the church, even here in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, man, there were people already in the habit of not meeting together. It was already taking, uh, taking kind of root among the people. And, they, and that day, they were, they were not meeting together. They were neglecting it because of fear of persecution and, and imprisonment. 
And then I look at the reasons we don't do it, and I go, we don't really even need to talk about that out loud. Except for I found a great article entitled this, A Few Reasons Why a Pastor Quit Going to Sports Events. Can I read this to you? Let, let, me, let me share with you a few reasons why a pastor quit going to sporting events. Number one, the coach never came and visited me. Number two, every time I went, they asked for money. Number three, the people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. Number four, the seats were just too hard. Number five, the referees made a decision I didn't agree with. Number six, there were hypocrites in the stands. Number seven, some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. Number eight, the band played a song I'd never heard before. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in or to run errands. Number 10, my parents took me too many times to games when I was growing up. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel like I know more than the coaches anyway. Number 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sports they like best. And that's the reason why a pastor quit going to sporting events. And you look at that and go, no, that's ridiculous. It really is. Not only for sporting events, but for meeting together. The God-designed platform for one another. So let me give you two biblical truths real quick. You ready? When it comes to meeting together, that you are a one another. You got to realize this, that if you are in Christ Jesus today, you are a one another, and it is up to you to meet together with other believers and get to one anothering. And here's the second truth, that we, we have to embrace believers, and that is we need one another. As messed up and as imperfect as we are, we need, we need one another. Meaning this, that God did not create us and Jesus did not save us to go it alone. Think of the dawn of time. Before sin entered the picture, Adam was alone. There was no human community for him. And yet God said to Adam in his isolation, and mind you that Adam was walking with God, he looked at Adam and God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so God began creating community Later on in the New Testament, Jesus saves us to a community known as the church. Now, again, I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here. You're meeting together. But I've got I've to do something here towards the end. And I've got to sell to you the importance of not just our large group meeting in the temple courts, but that small group meeting in homes and coffee shops across our community. Let me tell you something about our small groups. What we find in the New Testament and what we try to, try to model here at Connect Church. You ready? Connect groups are Jesus-centered. They are Bible-focused. Watch this. They're prayer-empowered, and they are fellowship-intensive. You see, more so in this type of setting, even more so than our large group setting, it is here in small groups and connect groups where you and I really get to that one-anothering, each other. It's where we really get to practice and experience that. Our heart at Connect Church is to do this. You ready? To love God, to love people, and to make disciples. That is the ethos of, of so many of our churches in our community. To love God, to love people, and to make disciples. And you might say, well, Anthony, you're talking about one another, and you're talking about being a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, meaning this, that we walk with Jesus, that we love Jesus, not just in some areas of our life, but in every area of our life. That's what a disciple is in Scripture. You see, discipleship 
Yes, it takes place while you sit in rows somewhat on a Sunday morning. But can I tell you where discipleship really takes place? Not sitting in rows, but sitting in circles. In that small group environment where you get a chance to really practice and to live out one anothering. I love this thought right here in 1 Corinthians as Paul would write, this is the picture of discipleship. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm going to tell you where that's done pretty easy. And that's in that small group format. Man, imitate me as I imitate Christ, as some of your, your versions would say. Walk with me as I walk with Jesus. But doing so, remember, to even live this out requires what? Meeting together. I love this picture of discipleship and meeting together. Discipleship is about inviting someone to the table, providing a feast, and then teaching them to feed themselves. So watch, they can prepare a meal for someone else. Just in case you're thinking we're talking fried chicken and banana pudding, the feast right here I'm speaking of is Jesus and one another. Jesus and his word and living out his word together. This type of discipleship, yes, on Sunday mornings, it does happen sitting in rolls, but it best happens sitting in circles. Our heartbeat is that small groups through the life of Connect Church would be the biggest front door to Connect Church, meaning this, that more people are introduced to Connect Church by your small group, by your Connect group, than even what they see online or on a website or coming on a Sunday morning. Let, let me tell you how powerful meeting together, even in these small groups, are. Uh, this was a post from this past Wednesday, I believe, from Crystal and her family, and especially about her boy, Corbin. I just want to read it to you if you can. A lot of times she writes, she tends here at Connect Church, we're really hard on ourselves and think we're totally failing as parents. Anybody ever felt that way? I know I have. Not there enough. Don't talk to our kids enough. We probably shouldn't have used that tone. Aren't a good enough example. That sometimes something happens and it allows us to take a step back and not be so hard on ourselves. Take a deep breath. Breathe and think, okay, maybe I'm doing okay. I had one of those moments last night, she writes. This last week has been a tough one for me. Just a lot going on in my head, struggling to just leave the house. I mean, there's some days like that, isn't there? I love her honesty. Our church has what they call midweek for the youth, youth group basically. And Corbin came home from school yesterday and said he wanted to go to midweek. He promised his homeroom teacher he would be there. She's a youth leader. Way to go, Sydney. Here we go. I was taken back because Corb usually isn't one to initiate. I usually have to ask her, bring it up. Last night was also the kickoff to small groups at church. I knew that, but I had already made up my mind I wasn't going to go. Nope, not ready, don't want to. But then my son said, I want to go to midweek tonight. So the Lord was like, ha, you're going, sister. Tim was also wanting to go, but it was me who was standing in the way. Well, maybe we can go to dinner while Corbin's at youth, thinking of all the excuses, knowing in the back of my mind, I knew darn well what I needed to do. Let me just say, we went, and it was incredible. We got placed in the group, parents with teens, met some really awesome people, and made some great connections. Not a coincidence called Connect Church. I've always been terrified of small groups, but this was different. I'm excited for next week. I'm excited for the new connections we made and friendships we will build on. So I say all that to say thank you to my son. Thank you, son, for asking me to go to youth. I'll, listen, to say I'm also happy to say he had a great night as well. Because of you... It helped me step out and do something I was afraid to do. Usually the parent is the one teaching, but last night you taught me. And she shouts out, I love you, son. 
There's something powerful about meeting together. There's something God-ordained about community. And so today, although you're here, I think it's a wonderful reminder here between sermon series that church, we must continue and commit to meeting together to one anothering. Let's, yes, worship together in the temple courts on Sunday, but let's also meet together throughout the week in small groups and connect groups. Man, you need a group. If it ain't with connect church, man, find another church with groups. You need a group, a community that you can practice this one anothering in. As the author of Hebrews says, not neglecting to meet together as some in their head in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. This challenge in Hebrews is this command comes with an urgency and a weightiness. Why? Because can I just remind you, just in case you have forgotten, that Jesus is coming again and the prayer of the church is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so in light of his coming, and we got to get to one anothering. And one anothering only happens by meeting together. And can I say something about meeting together? I'm not preaching law. Law motivates no one. Law is tied up in religion. I'm teaching a relationship. And here's what I mean. That the more and more I love Jesus and the more and more I walk with Jesus, the more and more meeting together isn't a have to but a get to. And that's the truth. Well, you're like, you're paid to be here. You're the pastor. Yeah, but I'm, sometimes it feels like I got to, I have to. But the more and more I grow in Jesus, it becomes a get to. And so I'm not preaching law to you. Ain't nobody going to hold a gun to your head and say you have to go to church, you have to be in a small group. I'm just telling you, the more and more from personal experience, the more and more I grow in Jesus and I love him and I walk with him, the more and more meeting together with messy people is not a have to, but a get to. You say, well, Anthony, isn't church messy? Are are you kidding? Yes. You have to get out of your mind that every church ought to be perfect. And we're broken people coming together trying to make much of Jesus. I'm surprised there's not fistfights on Sunday mornings. We have to get out of our mind. And by the way, if you're a perfect person looking for a perfect church, man, don't you come here and ruin what we've got going on. We're a circus half the time. Just trying to make much of Jesus together. Does it get messy? Yes, but can I tell you something about messy? All worthwhile things are messy. You ever had a two-year-old run around the house? You ever been married? Hey, listen, the most worthwhile things in this life are messy. And so is meeting together and one anothering. It's just messy. So a few months ago, I preached a message on the least of these. So I dressed up as a homeless person, and I went down to the bottom of the hill. Does anybody remember that Sunday? Yeah, you probably still hate me for it. So everybody had to pass me. And very few of our church members, out of hundreds that were came to that day, actually stopped and, and, and addressed me that morning. I, I had a shopping cart. I, I mean, I was just this big old chubby homeless guy down at the bottom of the hill. And I preached a message on the least of these. Well, the next day, uh, one of our church members, Miss Laura, she sent me this text. 
And she said, hey, thank you so much for the sermon yesterday. Uh, It challenged me to open my eyes. God beautifully orchestrated a conversation with me and a cashier at TJ Maxx as I was buying a notebook. Who knew ministry could take place at TJ Maxx? And she said this that I almost put back on the shelf. She commented, meaning the cashier on my notebook, I told her I was buying it to use with a new Bible study. She immediately asked me where. I excitedly invited her and replied, man, she wanted her to come. I gave her my info and she had already texted me again that she for sure wants to attend. I'm meeting her this week. I'm usually so scared talking to adults after teaching kids for 25 years. Go, God! And I remember receiving that text and going, man, that's, and that's what we're talking about. Here we have somebody who leaves the church on a Sunday and she realizes that church just doesn't exist within four walls, right? That we're not a museum for people to come and see we're a movement of God to mobilize his church to take ministry outside of these walls and into the marketplace. And there she is at TJ Maxx and there across the counter for her is a cashier who doesn't have a church home and doesn't have community. And so Laura says, hey, why don't you come be a part of my group? And you know what happened? Kathy came. And she went for a couple weeks, and then you know what happened? A couple Sundays later, Jason, right where you are, buddy, that's where she sat. And I remember I gave the invitation. I said, today, if you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, would you look up here? And I watched Kathy sitting next to Laura, who had invited her, hey, come to this new community together, to her Bible study. I watched Kathy lift up her, her eyes, and she was weeping. And she came and found me, and she'd given her life to Jesus. And I remember on that day thinking this, that when we meet together, when we start this one-anothering, we find that it is life-changing, disciple-making, kingdom-building, and culture-shaking. You see, it's meeting together in the very power, just like Jesus intended it to be. So here it is, church. You are a one another, and we need one another. Why? Because today, every study and statistic shows that there's 75,000 Cathy's in nobody's church today in Sevier County. Working across the counter from you, waiting on the table that you're sitting at, at work right next to you, on the ball team right next to you, sitting next to you at school, There's 75,000 of her out there longing, desiring for community, for Bible study, for people to belong to, and waiting, just waiting for a Laura to say, hey, let's come do community. Let's meet together, and let's get this one anothering. Let's get it going. But the sad reality is most everybody who's in church, some 20 plus thousand of us on this Sunday morning all across our community. Many leave church never looking for Kathy across the counter. Never engaging a, a waiter or a waitress as we go to, go to eat on a Sunday. Yesterday I was at a birthday party and um, with four kids and in their school in our church. Aaron and I are professional birthday party goers nowadays. Um, it's great. And, uh, and so we go to every birthday party there is. And um, it was at a pool. And there was a lifeguard. She was 18 years old. And I was sitting next to her on the bleachers. And I just thought, man, I, I don't know if she goes to church anywhere. I'm going to invite her to church and just get a conversation going. And, 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 I, and as I'm 
introduced the conversation. She just talked and talked and talked. Come to find out she's friends with a couple of the teenagers who go to church here. And she loves Jesus. And she began to testify how though she's just graduated high school and heading into college, that throughout her high school career, she, she never drank, she never smoked, she never slept around, did none of that stuff. And I said, really? Can you write a book and I'm going to give it to my kids? How did you do that? She said, well, I was saved at 16, but I've been at my church. And they've taught me and pointed me to Jesus. And I remember yesterday sitting in a muggy room at the Sevierville Community Center after a swim party with an 18-year-old lifeguard. I was reminded just yesterday how powerful. You ready? How life-changing, disciple-making, kingdom-building, and culture-shaking meeting together can really be. Hey, and by the way, can I give you the best example of that one-anothering? How about a God who so loved us that he stepped out of heaven, clothed himself in flesh just so he could one another and meet together with us. Live a sinless life and, and die upon the cross a brutal death just so he could one another and meet with us. That he would, three days later, empty the grave so that by faith in him we could have that relationship with God the Father. And we could one another together. What good news today in a world filled with bad news. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.